Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Yeah, God gets the glory. And we just want to say thank you to you for being a church family that seeks first the kingdom of God as you all have invested in our next generation in our missionaries, 26 places around the world, in our online ministry, we're seeing God minister literally every day to thousands of people. We're seeing a depth of ministry and discipleship, as well as a reach of bringing new people to Christ. And it's pretty exciting right here at our Brownsburg headquarters here to see this room, I mean, overflowing. We're running out of space here, and that is a problem that we'll take. That is an exciting thing. Well, we're in this series called These People Are Crazy, And we're talking about our families and how we've all got some crazy people in our families. Sometimes it's us. And today, I want to talk to you about crazy good. Like, what would your family look like if it was crazy good? And depending on where you're at, maybe your family's like pretty good, and it's just like, how could it be better? Or maybe you're one of those people, and we've got hundreds of families like this in our church where you came from alcoholism, or you came from divorce, or you came from severe dysfunction, but now as a first-generation believer in Jesus, you have the opportunity to end the trend, to break the generational brokenness in your family, and you can, through the power of God, have a crazy good family. Well, I will confess that during the Super Bowl, I was cheering for Cincinnati, Uh, I lived in up in California that I'm like, if those guys live in LA and they have the sun all year round, they don't really deserve to win against people who live in Cincinnati. So I don't know, maybe you watched it just for the commercials or maybe you were cheering for LA or for Cincinnati, but uh, here's the game winning catch from a guy named Cooper Cup. I did not know much about Cooper Cup as I was watching the Super Bowl, but I read up on him after the fact and he's got a fascinating story. Uh, Cooper Cup, when he was a senior in high school, He did not get recruited by any Division I college. He did not get a football scholarship. Uh, In fact, it was about three weeks after graduation that a small school named Eastern Washington said, we don't have a scholarship for you, but uh, you could come and, you know, at least play on the team, and we don't know how much you'll play. Well, Cooper Cup went to Eastern Washington, and he just did his best. He worked his hardest. After that, he played for a kind of junior division called the Football Championship Subdivision. It's like underneath the NFL. And again, he worked his hardest. He did his best. When he was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams, he was the seventh receiver chosen. And here was the NFL's assessment of Cooper Cup written on their website, quote, a good backup who could maybe become... A starter. Well, as you know, every quarterback and that wide receiver who catches the ball, I mean, it's almost like a marriage, the kind of relationship those two have to have to be able to read each other's minds and understand each other. And the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, Stafford, is just about as opposite from that as you can get. 
He was a first-round draft pick. He was an All-American when he played Division I football. These two met at training camp in March of 2021. Kind of the ugly duckling of a career and the golden swan of a career. But Cooper Cup knew that if he had any chance, he needed to invest in a relationship with this quarterback. And so they started to strike up a friendship. I've been to NFL training camps when I was a journalist and covered that for a season. These guys work so hard. And Cooper Cup decided, in addition to all the work our coaches expect from us, what if you as a quarterback and me as a wide receiver, what if we put in extra hours? What if we get extra reps outside of practice? They started this thing called the Breakfast Club where every morning they would eat breakfast together, they would review the film footage of all their catches and throws from the day before, and they would spend every morning saying, how do we get even better? Well, as a result of all that hard work, Cup became the man that the quarterback would look to anytime he really, really needed to make a play. And as a result, Cooper Cup has had a season where he's led the NFL in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. He became the NFL's offensive player of the year. And in the Super Bowl, he won the MVP. To get all three of those things in one year has never happened before. The closest would be Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, two legendary athletes. That's the end result of a, quote, good backup who put in a lot of extra hard work. Here's my question for you. For Cooper Cup, for so long, it, looks, it looked like it would never happen, but he just kept being faithful. My question as it relates to your family or your life is this, where do you feel like you just can't get ahead? Where do you feel like you're, you're showing up to practice, you're putting in the hours, you're just not getting ahead? Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your marriage. It's like, I'm trying to be intentional. We're in this family series, and I'm like, I'm trying to be the husband I need to be or the wife I need to be. I'm just not making progress. I'm not getting ahead. Maybe it's in your parenting that you feel like, I love these kids. I'm doing my best, but it seems like every day I'm just falling further behind. I, I'm not liking some of the things I see in their lives. I don't know what to change. I want you to think of your life for a moment as a continent with these different countries on it. You've got the country of your finances. You've got the country of your soul. That is your inner life. Maybe that's where you feel like you can't get ahead. Maybe just your, your attitude, your outlook on life. Like You're like, I, sh I should be grateful. I should feel better. I just don't. Maybe it's your parenting. Maybe it's your marriage. Or maybe it's that top country in the blue there is something else. Like, where is it? that your wheels are spinning in life right now, that you can't get ahead in life right now. If I could tell you today, whatever that area is, how to start today following God in a way that will completely transform that area, would you want to know how? God speaks about this, and he speaks these things to us in love he speaks these things to us because he wants our best. And in the book of Proverbs, God gives us today a principle that you can apply to your marriage, you can apply to your parenting, 
You can apply it to your finances. You can even apply it to your health. If you are having some health issues where if you were to change your diet or your exercise or your sleep, but you think, I just can't get it under control, this principle can help you in any of those areas. It starts in Proverbs 1, verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. Their purpose is twofold. And don't miss the weight of these two words. God wants to give you wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, it's more valuable than gold. When you have wisdom, you can do the best thing for your marriage, for your parenting. If you're dating and you're praying about a future spouse or that God would lead you to that spouse, wisdom is what you most need. In your finances, wisdom is what you most need. And God says that in this book of the Bible, he offers you wisdom uh, from people who are smarter and further along, wisdom that you could learn all these things the hard way and look back on your life and be like, what a mess. Or you can read the book of Proverbs and learn from the wise. And then the second thing we need is discipline. What is discipline? It's the ability to say no to my present desires so that I can say yes to a better future. You could have all the wisdom in the world and know, well, this is what I should do financially. This is how I should take care of my body and my health. This is what I should do in my marriage and my parenting. If you don't have discipline to run the play, the wisdom won't benefit you. Here's our big idea today. You cannot have the life you want, nor can you have the family that you dream of without self-discipline. You can't have that life you dream of, that marriage you dream of, those kids, the way you want them to be when they grow up, the career you want, the, the finances you want. You cannot have it without self-discipline. Now, last week in this series on family, we learned that Jesus is the only hope for your family. We all have an internal problem called sin, and only Jesus can solve that. Once you place your faith in Jesus your life is now built on a solid foundation or a solid rock. And then as a spiritual leader in your family, whether you're young and dating and your family's in the future or you're a grandparent, a patriarch, a matriarch, a mom, a dad, you say, I'm going to do what I can with my influence to build my family on Jesus. That's step one. Once you're on the foundation of Christ, now God is going to give you the wisdom that you need if you'll seek him. He'll give you the wisdom you need for your marriage. He'll give you the wisdom you need for your parenting, for your finances. But once you have that wisdom, you're going to need self-discipline to run the play. What does self-discipline look like? It looks a lot like Cooper Cup, who I was telling you about, MVP from the Super Bowl. A reporter asked him, uh, you're talking about these extra hours you put in with the quarterback. In one season, in one year of work, how many of those hours would you estimate there were? And he did the math in his head. He said there had to be at least 500 hours of work outside of what our NFL coaches expected us to do that resulted in the relationship where we can throw and catch the kind of passes that we do. Here's my question. What would that kind of self-discipline look like for your marriage? You know, it's so easy when the kids are born up to age 18 as parents to turn all focus on the marriage. Uh, and we see often couples come in with what I call the empty nest divorce. The kids leave for college and the mom and dad look at each other and say, who in the world are you? 
I mean, the last I knew you was 18 years ago, or if you've got three or four of them, it might be 25 years ago. They didn't put in the time. They got distracted. It's good that they love the kids, but uh, don't lose sight. Here's God's order for your family. Your connection with God, number one. Your connection with your spouse, number two. Your kids are subordinate to that. And so maybe for you, you need to start putting in the 500 hours a year on your quarterback wide receiver relationship, the most important relationship on the field, the most important relationship in the family. What might self-discipline look like in your parenting? Well, it looks like, I mean, we had a really strong-willed toddler. I'm not going to say which one of them, but we have one kid who's really strong-willed. And there was a season for me and Mel, we could not go out to eat anywhere. I mean, anytime we did, it's like cups were being thrown across the restaurant by this child. There was so much screaming and yelling. Everyone else would turn and look at us with these dagger eyes that are like, you're ruining our meal. And I'm thinking, well, we paid to be here too, but mine's also ruined. <laughs> we finally just decided like, we're not going out to eat until we get this kid under control. It's just so stressful. And we had to put in so many hours in that season. And as these children are growing up, we're starting to see the benefit. We've still got to keep putting in the hours. Maybe it's your own internal health physically. I had a season in my life where my career was strong. Everyone else in the family was healthy, but I was a workaholic. I was not sleeping enough. I was not aware that I needed to be eating healthy food. I was just eating whatever was available. I ended up having to go to the hospital multiple times a year with debilitating headaches that I didn't have to have, but I wasn't taking care of myself. Maybe it's your mental health. I want to give you this principle. It's kind of a life hack, if you will, from the book of Proverbs, and it's all throughout Scripture. It's called the principle of delayed gratification. Principle of delayed gratification. I think as a value in society, it's one of the missing links right now uh, of so many of my peers and so many uh, people in the United States right now. It used to be a value about 75 years ago and, and earlier, but the principle of delayed gratification... What is delayed gratification? Well, gratification is that feeling of satisfaction and pleasure. I mean, gratification is, is that, like, it's what we all want. Delayed gratification is a life of wisdom and discipline that says, I'm not always going to say yes to immediate gratification. Because I understand that if I'll say no to immediate gratification on some things, and I'll deny myself in the moment... It will be a bigger yes down the road. It'll be a bigger payoff down the road. So when a young person is dating and they're a follower of Jesus and they say, I'm going to keep myself sexually pure, that will pay off down the road in their marriage. When you get a paycheck and you decide, I'm going to save some for the future, or as a follower of Jesus, you say, I'm going to invest some in the kingdom of God. It's not always an immediate like, wow, that was amazing, but it pays off down the road. The same is true in your marriage. When you're in the season where you could take your spouse for granted, and you say, I'm going to keep intentionally investing. I don't feel a bunch of gratification when, you know, we're both tired and we're working crazy hours and we scramble to get a date night and we go out and all we can do is like blurry eyed, look at each other and try to connect, but I'm going to push through. I'm going to make the effort and invest now. It doesn't feel amazing today, but it's going to unlock a great future tomorrow. God describes this in Proverbs 21, verse 20. It says, the wise store up 
choice food and oil. Olive oil was a commodity, actually, a lot like gold or silver. People would trade olive oil the way we trade dollars. In contrast, fools gulp theirs down. So the one, the fool, gets immediate gratification, and there's no long-term satisfaction. The wise person delays the gratification. They do eat a little in the moment, but then they save for the future. Temporary sacrifice leads to lasting gain. Now, earlier, I asked you to identify the area where you feel like you're not getting ahead, where you want to see God work. And the principle of delayed gratification tells us this. You're going to have to make some sacrifices if you really want the long-term gain that you envision for your marriage or your parenting or your finances or your health or your internal health, your outlook, you're going to have to cut some things. You're going to have to sacrifice some things if you really want those gains in life. We live in a culture that has, has lost this concept. And of course, if we don't have God in our lives, it's a lot harder to do this because we don't have the Holy Spirit to give us self-control. We live in a culture that gets so obsessed with screen sex that many people are unable to enjoy the real thing because their mind has gotten so programmed that it has to be on a screen. We live in a culture where addiction to all sorts of things on screens uh, and you guys have got to realize the richest, smartest people in the world are getting paid to addict you to your screen. <laughs> so, so without some self-control, whether it's gambling online, shopping online, just social media consuming so much time, the, the pull to get addicted on a screen is a temporary gratification with a long-term devastation very often. In our finances, it's the same way. It's so much easier to spend every dollar we get rather than to save for the future. In our parenting, I mean, the kind of discipline that we talked about last week, correction with a child, where when they do the wrong thing, we sit them down and we say, hey, do you understand that's wrong because God says this, and that's a sin, and Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you can call out to him to be forgiven and do the right thing. That takes a lot more time than just saying, Johnny, don't do that. Be nice to Sally. It's an investment now for when they're 20, for when they're 30. Of course, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, our entire life on earth is really one big moment of delayed gratification where we say no today to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all of eternity. Temporary self-denial leads to lasting self-improvement. This is a principle that you can unleash in all the different domains or areas of your life. Temporary self-denial leads to lasting self-improvement. So think again of the continent of you. Now, I asked you earlier, you know, which country of your life, which domain of your life do you really need to see God work in? Maybe it is your finances. Maybe it's your internal soul. Maybe it's your use of time or your marriage or your parenting or or some other area, but right now, will you just connect the dots that if you want to see God work in that area, you're going to have to have some temporary self-denial in order to have lasting self-improvement. And, and as a follower of Jesus, now is a great time to just pray a prayer to God and say, God, I need to see you work in that area of my life. Show me what I need to say no to today 
so that I can have a bigger yes tomorrow. Now, I use this visual partly because I love World War II and I watch too many documentaries. And you, you see in wars how a, a nation will get one territory and then move to another and then move to another and how they strategically do that throughout history. But the same is true of the domains of your life. I mean, I've experienced this that as a follower of Jesus, I have a self-control and a self-discipline from God that I don't have in my own strength. And when I do what he says in an area, it starts to become a stronghold in a positive way. It's like, wow, that whole country of my life, most of it is now occupied by God. And then that can spread to the next country of your life. And you might not believe it based on your background or your family of origin, but as a follower of Jesus, you have the opportunity to live a life where you have a supernatural self-restraint in your finances, in your desires, in your marriage, in your parenting, and this can spread from one area to another. You know, the opposite is also true. The same principle works in reverse. If you have one area of your life where you completely give up having any self-control, one area of your life, and this is so easy to do because life is hard and life is busy, and you think, I'm just going to have this one area where I, I just, I'm so tired of working so hard in all the other areas, I'm just going to have this one area where I don't have self-control. One area where I can just have all the immediate gratification that I want, the same principle actually then works in reverse. That area where you lose self-control, you lose self-discipline, you think, oh, I can control it, but then it starts to spread to another area, and you think, man, I used to be more disciplined in that area. The same principle can work both positively and negatively, because I think we've all experienced this. Temporary gratification can lead to lasting devastation. Isn't this what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden when they decided in that moment that temporary gratification, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and as that sweet fruit juice dripped down their lips, the evil that was unleashed from one moment of gratification. And we've all seen this in our lives in different ways. I came across a story in Reuters news media, a true story from West Haven, Connecticut. There was a driver named Jeffrey Maine. Some, the brake light was on in his car. It didn't seem like his brakes were working right. He was stopped at a red light, and uh, he got out of the car to look at the wheels, and somehow the car gets in reverse. Don't ask me how this happened, but according to Reuters news service, the whole thing did. This guy's car ends up in the intersection in reverse, and the steering wheel turned itself, and it's just going in circles in the intersection. People call 911, and the fire department comes, and police officers come, and they're like, what do we even do with this car? They end up, there's a construction site nearby, and they end up, this all happened in West Haven, Connecticut, having to bring in these bulldozers and just kind of like keep getting closer to the car until they sort of crunched it into place. Finally, they're able to reopen the intersection after they turned the car off and towed it away. Here's the reality. Like a runaway car without a driver, people without self-control are a hazard to themselves and a hazard to the people closest to them. That temporary gratification that is completely unlimited feels good for a while until the bulldozer of debt or the bulldozer of addiction 
or the bulldozer of divorce or the bulldozer of sickness or the bulldozer of depression crunches you into place and finally all that temporary gratification leads to devastation, but God has such a better plan for you. You can take the exact same principle and you can work it for your good. As I was praying over this and praying for each of you and your families, wanting God's best for your finances, wanting God's best for your marriage, wanting God's best for your kids, for your inner life, knowing that I have all the same struggles that you guys have and that apart from God's help, temporary gratification would be my ruler apart from God in my life. I was thinking about life and you know those restaurants where the menu is you pick two? You know, like you can get this, one of these sandwiches or one of these soups or one of these salads. As I studied the principle of delayed gratification all throughout scripture, I realized we're really all at a restaurant called life and there's only two options on the menu. They're both you pick twos. Here they are. You can pick temporary pain with lasting gain. I'm going to say no to some of my desires. I'm going to restrain myself and then benefit for years and years. Or you can live an unrestrained life where you have lots of temporary gain and it is going to hurt you for years and years and years. And I wish this wasn't the case, but because of what Adam and Eve did, these are the only two options on the menu. There is no great gain in this world that's broken by sin without pain. There is no life where it's just always amazing and there aren't consequences for always just doing what feels best. As I've prayed over our families, and it's just a burden on my heart of somehow we've got to teach this to our sons and daughters. As they grow up in a world where they're constantly uh, have access to the internet. And we're, I'm reading these stories from the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, like meaningful research about the way that TikTok and Instagram affect a teen girl's image of herself with lifelong consequences. And I'm not up here saying like ban those or anything, but I'm just saying parents, we've got to be aware of the way our sons and daughters, do they understand delayed gratification at all? Are we teaching it to them at all? Are we modeling it for them at all? In a world where our sons are going to grow up and they're going to have 24-7 access to stuff that their brains, their brains are just going to like go for that and it'll go deeper and deeper and be addicted. Like we've got to be aware of this principle and we've got to be intentionally saying, God, show me how to live a life of delayed gratification so that I can show my sons and my daughters so that I can raise a generation who in a world where 20, 30 years from now, uh, people's minds will have been so changed. I know I sound like an old codger up here, but this is neurology. Like neurologists are telling us these things. It's a lot like cigarettes were in the 1950s. And the researchers start to say, this causes cancer. And people are like, ah, who cares? It feels good. Uh, we've got to realize that like unlimited use of the internet is very similar. Uh, and, and a lot of uh, physicians and neurologists are starting to realize this and there's not an easy answer to this right I can't be like well just never allow your child to ever be on the internet that's that's not what I'm saying we have to teach them the principle of delayed gratification and they're going to stumble along the way but we for ourselves also if we're not aware the same things can addict us Proverbs 21 verse 20 this is that same verse we looked at earlier this is a different translation Proverbs was originally written in the language of Hebrew Here's another way to translate those words into English. The wise have wealth and luxury. 
Remember earlier it said food and olive oil. Olive oil was a symbol of luxury. But fools spend whatever they get. Remember the other one said fools gulp it down. So if you give a fool $10 today, he'll have spent it by the end of the day. Give a fool $10,000, they'll have spent it by the end of the month. Give a wise person that amount of money, and they may need to spend some of it, but they're going to do their best to also save some of it. Proverbs 21, verse 5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts, what's that? Immediate gratification. Whatever feels good immediately leads to poverty. And while this principle is very, very true in the realm of your finances, it's also true in your marriage. It's also true of every desire that you have. It's also true in your parenting and all those different countries on the continent of you. You know, it's easy to think with finances like, oh, if I just had a big windfall, then I'd be set for life. I was reading this last week. Did you know that 16% of NFL athletes who've made more than, more than a million dollars, 16% of them have to file for bankruptcy within 12 years of their retirement from the NFL. Uh, get this, according to Sports Illustrated, 78% of NFL players, so that would be four out of five, and 60% of NBA players, so that would be three out of five, have severe financial hardships after retirement. Uh, one example would be Vince Young, who earned $26 million during his athletic career and within five years was bankrupt. So getting a big windfall of money is actually not the solution. Learning to have self-restraint, self-discipline, and wisdom is the solution. Uh, in contrast to those who get huge windfalls and it all disappears are a group of people that are sitting around you and live in your neighborhood and you wouldn't know it, and they're called everyday millionaires. They're called the millionaire next door. These are people who some of them are school teachers, some of them are accountants. They don't drive fancy cars. You wouldn't look at them and think that person's a millionaire, but they've learned the principle of self-control, self-discipline, and they have just faithfully put money away. I'm going to give you a visual of this because this graph line is such, sorry, I said graph line in church, okay? I know some of you are drooling and others of you are like, what in the world, a graph line? Okay, notice this red line, okay? This, by the way, this is what your retirement account would look like if starting at age 25, you just put $250 a month. I know that's a significant amount, uh, but 250 a month, you say, uh, maybe you forego a car payment on a newer car and you keep driving the older car. You say no to some things to put 250 a month. You put it in an account that is just, it's a tracking the S&P 500. You're not buying crypto. You're not trying to get rich overnight. You're not being fancy. You're just being faithful. You do $250 a month every month from age 25 to age 65. And at the average return of the S&P 500, at age 65, that 250 a month will be $1.3 million. Now, my point of this is that graph line, notice how long it doesn't look like it's working. And then notice how it rockets up at the end. The same is true in your parenting. You're disciplining that toddler, you're exhausted, you've got nothing left, and you could let that toddler just get away with it, or you could dig deep and say, no, you're not. My will is stronger than yours. Even though this is your only thing and this is one of 500 things for me, 
you're not going to win this battle of the wills because I'm going to teach you. And you invest. And you do the same in your marriage. You're putting it, look at that long horizontal line of the red where it doesn't look like it's going up. Guess what? That might be the whole time until your kids go to college. And you're like, we're doing date nights every week, and it is not even fun, but we're just doing it because we're faithful, and it's the right thing to do. And you know what else that red line looks like? Uh, You're tired. You're exhausted. There's a person at your workplace or someone else, another parent on your kid's soccer team, and they're attractive, and there's a connection, and you could emotionally connect with them, and in the moment, you say, no, I'm not going there. My eyes aren't going there. My mind's not going there. My thoughts aren't going there. I'm going to be faithful today. I'm going to say no today to immediate gratification so I can say yes to a much longer satisfaction of that person I'm going to spend decades and decades with. This principle works in every domain of your life. Well, if finances are the area, one of the areas where you want to see God work, I would encourage you to sign up for our Financial Peace University. You can do that at cp.news. And I've mentioned before, every year we have dozens of people here who pay off hundreds of thousands of dollars of personal debt, who cut up credit cards, who go from being in the negative financially to being in the positive. God cares about your finances. There's a lot more to life than just your finances, but God cares, and he gives you principles that will work. He gives you the wisdom if you'll have the self-discipline to run the play. The same is true down at our fitness center. I just want to make sure you're aware of this. I got to play pickleball this last week. It's like a low-risk version of tennis. It's super fun. We've got like 200-some people who play pickleball every week. But there's all sorts of classes at our fitness center. There's yoga. There's group fitness classes. There's individual fitness as well. If you want to get on a treadmill or use a rowing machine or lift weights, the point is this. Whether that domain you want to see God work in is your physical health or your financial health or your marriage or your parenting, we have groups and we have tools to help you understand how to start exercising self-discipline today in a way that will unlock a better tomorrow. Well, I'm going to give you now just really quickly, for those of you who want a little more, some steps to leverage this power of delayed gratification. I've explained what it is. I think at this point you've got the concept. Hopefully you've identified the area in your life where you really want to see God work. I'm going to give you four questions. You can snap a picture of this with your phone. It'll also be in our small group study guide. Uh, But here are the questions I ask myself whenever I stand at a crossroads of temporary gratification versus long-term return. First, what do you really want? So for your finances, would you say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do the car payment on the new shiny car Because in my case, I want, when I'm in my 60s, 70s, 80s, I want me and Mel to be able to go visit our grandkids and and take our our grandkids on trips. And I want to be, when we're in that season, at a place where where we have that freedom. And so that means that I drive an older car that's paid off. How will you get there? So if the area you want to see God work in, whether it's your finances, your marriage, your inner life, your physical health, what will you need to say no to? You you have to start saying no to something if you want to get there. You're not going to get there by wishful thinking. That's the third one. What do you need to sacrifice today to get to that tomorrow? And then the fourth one, fourth question, actually comes from the life of Jesus. What future gratification can you anticipate? When you're making the painful no today, it really helps to visualize and think about the great yes in the future. Uh, Don't fall for the lie that you can 
get that lasting gain that you want without some temporary no's and self-denial. Jesus modeled this uh, ultimately when he died on the cross for the sins of the world. Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem where he'd be crucified and he would suffer many terrible things. So Jesus is actually like the ultimate model of self-denial, of suffering in the moment in order to unlock a better tomorrow. Jesus continues, he says, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law would ultimately arrest him and that he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Peter takes Jesus aside, verse 22, and he reprimands him. He says, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. I mean, Jesus, you're God. Why, why would there have to be suffering for you to save the world? Jesus turns to Peter. Maybe you've heard this before. Verse 23, he says, get away from me or get behind me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap for me. You know, one of Satan's traps, he used it on Adam and Eve. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he said, you don't have to go to the cross. We can have a shortcut. The voice that whispers in your ear, you don't have to sacrifice, you don't have to say no to yourself, you can have it all, you can have the immediate gratification, and everything will be okay in your marriage, you know, uh, he'll forgive you, or she'll forgive you, or, you know, don't, don't worry, the kids will turn out fine, you don't really have to put in the hours, or go ahead and spend the money now, don't worry about tomorrow, that whispering voice, that's exactly what Satan whispered to Eve, it's exactly what Satan said to Jesus when he was tempted and Jesus didn't fall for it. And then when Peter says, Jesus, the good things God has planned, they shouldn't require such a sacrifice. Jesus looks to one of his three closest friends and calls him Satan. He's like, that idea that I wouldn't have to sacrifice is from hell. And then Jesus said to his disciples, verse 24, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own ways. If you're truly following Jesus, there will be some self-denial, some self-sacrifice in your life. Take up your cross. Die to yourself in some areas of life. Follow my example. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. In other words, if you live for the moment of just what feels good now, you're going to look back at the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. If, on the other hand, you give up your life to serve God and others, you'll save your life. And this is the ultimate spiritual example. Verse 26, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is there anything more valuable than your soul? And look at verse 27. Jesus visualizes the future even as he's walking through self-denial. He says, the son of man will in the future return with his angels in the glory of the father. And will judge all people according to their deeds. So this idea of saying, as I say no to something today, I'm a young person, I'm not yet married, I'm praying for my spouse, and there's plenty of opportunities for me to gratify myself or hook up or other things. I'm saying no today because I'm visualizing and I'm praying for my future spouse and my future marriage and the, the quality of connection that we will have mentally, physically, in every area Jesus, in the same way, dying on the cross for the sins of the world, says to Peter, Peter, I have to deny myself. I have to go through suffering. There's things I have to say no to because the future is this. Me and my angels, we're going to be ruling and reigning over every person who's ever lived in all of history. And Peter, 
the path of suffering and self-denial is worth it. Jesus willingly suffered temporary pain for eternal gain. Now, we don't have to suffer temporary pain to earn our salvation. Because of what Jesus did, our salvation is a free gift. But now, as sons and daughters of the king, we actually have a power source within us to enable us to be like Jesus. And while that's true, that we'll seek first the kingdom of God and we'll have reward in heaven, that power source can transform the way we handle our desires in our families and the way we handle even our finances. So the question, how do you get the power to do this? How do you be like Jesus in this way? And I want to take you to Galatians chapter 5, where God answers that question. He says, here's how you, normal broken person, can follow Jesus on the path of delayed gratification. The fruit of the Spirit, what's that? The Spirit is, is not just an idea, it's a, it's a true person of the Godhead. God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside you the moment that you receive Jesus as your Savior. And you now have, and many Christians have not yet really discovered this, a power source for right living. The Holy Spirit can give you these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and the last one on the list, self-control. I was having a moment of correction with one of my kiddos this last week. And was explaining sin and the cross once again and going to the cross. And this kid of mine, I had a great laugh because um, the child said, Dad, I feel like you never sin. <laughs> I said, oh man, if you, uh, if you only knew. I sin every week. I probably sin every day. The pride, the, the jealousy, the self-serving. They said, well, I, I never see you lose your temper. And I had to tell this kiddo of mine, you would not believe when I was little, the, the way I would throw things and yell. And I mean, I had, I had a terrible temper. And I'm not the way you see me as it relates to my temper because of me, but because as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in me. And when I lack self-control, I can call on the Spirit of God and say, Holy Spirit, I'm claiming the promise that you live within me and that one of your fruits is self-control. I don't have self-control in myself right now, but I need you to give me that self-control. That's available to you as a follower of Jesus. Well, Cooper Cup, I've told you all about him, MVP from the Super Bowl. I love it that as he's doing the uh, press conference at the end there, he's got his little son with him, uh, family man. It's always fun when you hear about these incredible people who've worked incredibly hard and they're at the top of their field and then they start to talk and you realize, oh, they're a follower of Jesus. And actually, not incidentally a follower of Jesus, but they say it's following Jesus and his principles in life that has put me into this position. As Cooper Cup explained how he got there, he shared 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24. He said it's his favorite verse, quote, do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. That's a Bible verse. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And here's what he tweeted out on Twitter. Do it to get a crown that will last forever. And as Cooper Cup explained to these sports reporters, here's why I'm the person who was able to accomplish this. 
he actually talked all about his identity in Christ. And that he didn't step out on the football field to try to prove himself, but that he already knew who he was as a son of the Most High King, and that God had already written a script for his life, good deeds prepared in advance for him to do, and that he could step on the field, not out of a nervousness to prove himself, but out of a joy to get to be who God created him to be. I love that, because it is so true. If you will start to practice delayed gratification even just in your spiritual life of saying, God, where you say something's off limits or you say it's a no, I will do what you say. I trust you more than I trust myself. That's wisdom. You don't have to be a financial genius. You don't have to be a marriage genius or a parenting genius. All you've got to do is do what God says. And when you lack the self-control, call out to the Holy Spirit to give you that self-control. None of us do it perfectly, but do that consistently in any area and you will see God transform it. Here was what Cup said after they were talking about the Super Bowl trophy. He said, these trophies and rewards will pass away, but I've got crowns in heaven as a follower of Jesus. He said, quote, my motivation coming in every single day is to run the race in such a way as to honor God and honor the passions and the talents that he's given me. When I'm rooted in that, I am in a great place and I'm able to play freely. I just love that. Uh, and, you know, it's not limited to athletics. Uh, I got an email about a month ago from Southwest Airlines, and the email said, meet our new CEO. And I'm always interested in leaders of large organizations, so I, I clicked on it. I said, who is this guy? And they had this infographic. What about Bob? Bob Jordan's his name. The new CEO of Southwest Airlines. Super interesting. Bob started out as a low-level computer tech at Southwest Airlines. And as I read about him, it was just that over the years, he was faithful. He always dignified the people he worked with. He always went over and above. And I'm reading these things. I'm thinking like, yeah, I think I know where this is going. And so I look at the infographic and I look at what's his favorite book? The Bible. Who would he want to meet from history if he could meet anyone? The Apostle Paul. What is his life quote? I've circled it there with my highlighter. His life quote is this, seek a life filled with wisdom and discipline. That's Proverbs 1, 1, and 2, where we started our journey today. Now, my point is this. You can apply this principle anywhere in your life, to your parenting, to your career if you want, to your finances, where in your life, where in your family. You need to start denying yourself to practice delayed gratification. Choose today what you want tomorrow. Uh, when I think of delayed gratification, I actually, I think of my mom. Because earlier I asked, you know, some of you, you're from a family system that's really broken or dysfunctional. And you think, how could my family possibly get ahead? Well, my mom did not come from an amazing family system. And she had four boys. And I mean, we were difficult kids, especially the oldest one and me, the youngest one. She's got this great story of me being in like a full snowsuit onesie thing in the winter in Michigan. And I was like so out of control at Kroger that she literally couldn't grab me. I kept like slipping out. And I mean, I, she tells me now and I cringe. I used to laugh when I was a teenager about it. But like, she, you know what she did? Her 500 hours of extra work a year for my mom was prayer. I mean, she has prayed for me and my three older brothers every day of her life prayed that God would capture our hearts. And there were seasons 
where I walked away, where some of my brothers walked away. And now we're here and my oldest brother, he's a youth pastor and a varsity basketball coach for the high school in town. My next brother, highly successful businessman and an elder at his church. My next brother is a Christian school teacher. And now I'm a journalist turned pastor. All of us are married to our original wives. None of us have any addiction that is controlling our lives. All of us are getting to raise our kids for Christ. That's from the 500 extra hours a year that my mom put in praying. That's from her discipline. Yeah, I mean, God does the work, but like you, you gotta know, like put in the hours on your marriage, put in the hours on your parenting, it will pay off. Abraham was called by God to leave so he could be blessed and then bless others. As my mom denied herself, she was a blessing to me and my brothers. And now on the days that we deny ourselves, we get to be a blessing to others. God wants to use you to be a blessing to your family and to others. And actually, if you just wanna stand, I just wanna pray that blessing over you. And we're just gonna have a moment as a church dedicating our lives and our families to God. Father, in this place, and for those online, Lord, we've got thousands of families in our movement. Lord, we live at a time where it's so hard to deny ourselves in the moment. Our phones are constantly calling for our attention. The assumptions of the day are just do what feels right when it feels right. But Jesus, we follow you on a better path, a path that says no today so it can experience a bigger yes tomorrow. Jesus, you said, if anyone will follow me, they must take up their cross. They must die to themselves. And so, Lord, show us, each of us in our families, there's some husbands here who really need to start dying to themselves, and your Holy Spirit's showing them where. There's some young adults here who need to start dying to some things today so they can have a better marriage in the future. Lord, all of us, we want to practice this principle so that we can experience more and more of your blessing in our lives so that you can bless others through us. So God, I just pray over every family at Connection Point, would you set free from the sin that so easily entangles? Would you set free from being a slave to immediate gratification, a slave to self? Would you help us to be a people in whom the Holy Spirit's self-control is on display? Lord, would you grow the muscle of self-control in each of us? God, I just pray over every family here. Some are three-generation families. Some are couples who are dating or people who will be married in the future. God, over all these families, we pray your blessing. We pray freedom from sin. We pray obedience to your good and free and full path. We pray for wisdom and supernatural self-discipline. Bless these families now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.